Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Hello and welcome to episode 196 of Geek Town Radio. We're back this week with Matt. How are you doing? Hey David, how are you doing? I'm alright. Good. So what have you been up to since you've been last on? Well, apart from getting the kitchen done, which I don't suppose is <laughs> as interesting as some of the other stuff here. <laughs> yes. Um, spoilers, we're still waiting for it to be finished. Although, hopefully, although hopefully by the time this podcast goes out, it would have been finished, but we'll have to wait and see. Yes. Red Dead Redemption 2, although the game is however long, um, I was missing it and missing the mechanics and stuff um and i remembered that there were certain side quests i hadn't finished so i added the game back to my rental list and decided hey there's nothing stopping me just you know getting the game back and then going and doing those side quests so i loaded the game up went and did them and was reminded of you know why i missed the game and that sort of stuff and just just how good it is and how much effort they've put in it's really quite it's actually quite funny i actually generally found it quite funny that i was playing red dead on the you know the couple of days where it was announced about the whole anthem thing and the Yes, consoles and that sort of stuff. I was yeah. looking at that and what a mess that is, and then looking at Red Dead and thinking, "Wow, what a what a difference in development." Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and even there was one particular night that I played. I think it was like a few days after the Anthem stuff, where there were, I played for about four and a half hours straight, and none of it none of it was even main quest stuff. And I had a lot of fun with it. And I just thought, yes, this is what games should be like. This is yeah. how good games should be. Granted, not every not every game has to be you know a Rockstar game because um, with Rockstar games, it's more the case of like an event where like every four to six or however many years you get a GTA or you get a Red Dead or you get something like that. And it's more of an event. Hmm. Um, so yeah, we have to, we have to, uh, take these games when they come. I mean, who knows when Rockstar will release another game. They have to sort Red Dead Online out at the moment. But um, yeah, it just goes to show when you put in the effort and the development and you take your time and you don't rush things out that you'll have a, just a, simply a much better experience. Yeah. So. So what yeah. I what I love about Rockstar is the fact that they don't skimp at all on the single player game. You look at things like GTA and GTA yeah. 5 was a brilliant brilliant game in its own right. And then you've got GTA Online, you've got Red Dead Online and they're doing all sorts of microtransaction things and all that sort of stuff. I actually don't really care because I mean I bought Red Dead 2 and I don't mind paying that sort of money for a game that I know is is a single player campaign which I know is going to be brilliant and I don't mind paying the money for that. And that Bethesda is how you do an online version of a game. Yeah. yeah you don't remove all the single player stuff i had bethesda done that with the with the fallout game and released a new fallout game as a single player game oh and here's a bunch of you know multiplayer stuff as well so the 76 was a a kind of add-on to a big single player campaign i yeah. don't think anybody would have complained i think mm. everybody would have been perfectly happy with that 
The problem is it just was released as a mess and stuff like Red Dead Redemption really shows that up. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Fallout 76 because of uh, like the lack of NPCs and interactive stuff. And mm. then you go into the world of Red Dead and you don't have to interact with any, any of the NPCs. But like as you're riding from a mission to another mission or where, wherever you're going, it doesn't even have to be a mission. You'll meet strangers and interactions yeah. and characters along the way. And it makes the world feel so much more alive and so much more like, hey, you over there, can you come and help me? Or like maybe they do genuinely need help or they'll just there to rob you or whatever. Um, yeah. just, yeah, it just goes to show the difference when you, uh, bother making a better game. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I've, I finished most of the side quests that I can find and there was about a period of half an hour or an hour where I was looking around and see if there's any more side quest stuff, but I think I've cleaned up most of it. So I think I've sort of gone back and had, uh, got, gone back for what I wanted and, and got that out of the game. So that's good as well. Yeah. Phenomenal. Uh, certainly, got, certainly got my time's worth out of it as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Even if you don't try and do the side quest the main quest in itself there's so oh, it much goes there. On forever yeah 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 for you to do so uh the wire is of course the hbo the classic hbo series uh 2002 to 2008 those of you that might be wondering when that uh was around i can't remember when, when i first watched it but i remember it was either two years ago or about a year ago um and i watched the first four episodes or so and it like nothing really clicked with me there was a couple of notable characters and obviously notable cast because it's got a really really good cast in the first season a couple mm. of walking dead people in there you've got uh, idris elba a bunch of other people as well but none of it really sort of clicked or like got it hooked into me and then um as i kind of uh you know took a break and a year or two went past and every single time i heard about you know critically acclaimed tv and you know the game of thrones the breaking bad sopranos i always heard about the wire as well yeah um, and i will watch the sopranos one day as well but I just kept hearing about The Wire and how good it is and how I should keep going back. And I was like, okay, clearly I missed something the first time. I'm going to give this show another chance. And then, not that I was like done with it. I just, you know, hadn't gone back to it or whatever. Uh, and then went back to it and I thought, okay, I'm going to give this a really good chance to give it like a good few episodes. And then it did did finally click with me and I'm halfway through season two. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, season two is a bit weaker and I was warned a little bit of that. It's really interesting when you have a show that's clearly focused on like some American politics and stuff like that, like with drugs, gun control, raids, those sorts of things, uh, you know, that, that, that kind of thing that, that happens as well. And so even though some of that stuff goes, or most of it kind of goes over my head, I can genu genuinely sort of follow the characters and the plot and the gist of the story, and that's like compelling in of itself. Um, and yeah, it, it kind of clicked. Uh, I don't know if you've, you've seen much of it, but I remember when uh, Omar first came into it. Yeah. And I thought, huh, this is an interesting guy, and he has slightly like a different story to everybody else. Yeah. He's kind of been involved in a lot of the stuff, but he's very clearly written to be like a different role to everybody. And I was like, huh, this guy's kind of interesting. And then, yeah, episodes just kept going by. And like I said, halfway through season two, so just a really, really good show. So, yeah, no, it's um, a, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal series. Um, when you mentioned there were Walking Dead people in there, I I completely mm -hmm. forgotten Seth Gilliam was in there. Yeah, so, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention something about that on on the Walking Dead, which is a bit more relevant to that. This right, week. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's Lawrence Gilliard Jr. Um, he was in there as well. We played uh, Bob in season five. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. And He's then obviously well. Idris Elba in mm -hmm. there, Michael B. Jordan in there as well. I mean, there is a crazy amount of uh, people in there that have, uh, and uh, oh, Wendell Pierce as well, who is in Suits these days, where you probably okay. know him from. But uh, yes, he plays one of the main characters in Suits. So it's a phenomenal series. It's a really, really mm. phenomenal series. And even if like there's slight slip ups here and there, I'm still invested enough to a point where like I know it finishes. I know there's a series finale, so I have I'll have my answers to, as to what yeah. happens with all these characters I'm interested in. So because I think after I finish season two, I'm going to take a bit of a break because it will be like you know 26 episodes or whatever yeah, in, yeah. in a short space of time but uh, I'm going to I'm going to finish season 2 take a bit of a break watch some other stuff and then go back but I'll definitely finish it now that I've now that I've got to that point with being sort of hooked into it it's uh, it's quite good yeah. uh, Afterlife of course the Ricky Gervais series uh, some may call it a work of art one of those people would be me because that's <laughs> exactly what I said just a really strong series and it's really kind of one of them short and sweet things from Ricky Gervais where like yeah. uh, as I kind of said in my review he doesn't stick around with things for too much he kind of gets an idea puts it out there and then like tells his story finishes it moves on sticks around for with a few things for, like two maybe three years uh, like with the office and extras and uh, the Ricky Gervais show and Derek he's done a lot of good stuff that I've I've been interested in I haven't actually finished extras yet so I'm gonna probably go back and finish that as well but uh, yeah Afterlife has this he's got this really good ability in there to somehow add comedy to like mental illness 
experienced death and grief and all, all these like really sensitive uh, subjects. And he manages to, because, you know, jokes about stuff like suicide, mental illness, grief is it, not a good idea. But he doesn't necessarily make jokes about those subjects. It's more the comedy within kind of the story and within his characters and stuff. Um, and you, you will go one minute from like laughing to sort of really sitting and listening and sort of choking up at some of the stuff that mm. he says. Uh, but the way he does it and puts it all into the series is just incredible I, I was really quite happy with it yeah i was sort of thinking when i finished it like okay this is the top five of the year thing great we're only halfway through march but the other three things probably the good place the witcher if that does come out this year game of thrones probably yes uh and there'll be uh, like two other slots so if there's two things this year that comes out that kicks out of the top five they're gonna yeah. have to be very very good so uh it's got kind of a reserved spot in at least the top <laughs> four the top five yeah for me um really impressed with it how about yeah. you yeah no you it, it's a great series it's it's quite different i mean it, it's mm. it's very ricky yeah. gervais in some respects it, in others it's a lot darker and quite different for ricky as well because i i didn't find as much of it sort of laugh out loud funny and it's not as cringy as some of his other things but yeah, i i did office, find it very very yeah like that yeah, because yeah, I mean, the office could be very cringy at times. I, I mean, mm. you know, funny, but it's you are kind of going, oh God, don't do that. You know, yeah, where, David Brent's doing this or that. Yeah. yeah. Whereas with this, it's it's less about that. He does say some really atrocious things at times, but <laughs> yeah. you, it sort of works. And yeah, I I thought it was a really really excellent series. And uh, again, I I like the fact that Ricky does these sort of. I mean, that it's around about half an hour. It's six episodes long it's a very quick thing to get through uh i but i really really enjoyed it it's thoroughly worth watching it really good i mean ricky i think has come out and said that he thinks it's the best thing he's ever done so you know i mean top, i'm sure some three people... at least i would say yes yeah. i mean i'd have to think about that a bit more but um De derek would certainly be in there as well right uh, it's yeah, got yeah. a bit a bit of derek a bit of the off office um yeah. with some of the office work kind of stuff and it's got other stuff thrown in there as well yeah but uh yeah work of art go and check it out if you yeah. want to um, cool. The Night Eats the World, it's a zombie film that's, until I actually looked up certain reviews and bits and pieces for the podcast and stuff that I did, I hadn't seen anybody talk about this, so I thought I'd uh, also do the review in terms of, you know, getting the, the word out there about the thing that exists. Yeah. Um, but it's essentially this French film about this guy, I think his name's David, I think, um, but he basically uh, goes to his girlfriend's place to get his, like, music bits and pieces. He's a musician, and uh, he goes into his uh, art room or whatever and he falls asleep in there and uh, basically his ex-girlfriend's having this uh, big party thing and uh, he falls asleep and everybody's turned into a zombie right and he's left to you know deal with said situation um it's a little bit difficult to talk about without spoilers but the main one of the big strengths and the big things about it is his ability to set up like to fortify himself like fortify the building because he's in this massive i don't know if it's like a big flat or something or some sort of big mansion thing maybe um but he's in this massive building essentially he goes and like locks certain zombies behind doors he goes and gets all the keys in the building and puts them all in one place he goes and puts all these like pots and stuff on the roof in order to catch rain he puts all this like food in the same place he ends up setting himself up with like a bath and uh all, all the all this kind of like basic survival stuff and just watching him do all that kind of stuff without like talking to any other characters because it's mainly him right yeah, yeah. Uh, was actually quite interesting to watch so um and there's obviously like twists and turns and spoiler stuff in there but i won't go into any of that but uh, no, I genuinely found it really entertaining and his whole, every sort of uh, 10 or 20 minutes or so, he'll look out the window and you get this sense of him asking himself, like, should I go out there and like risk it to see if I can find other stuff? Because he gets yeah. to the point where he's clearly fortified himself well enough where he can even muck about a little bit in the building. Uh, and then he sort of looks out and thinks, okay, should I get myself out of here and look outside? Yeah. Um, re really quite enjoyed it. Have you ever heard of it? <laughs> it's not one that I'd heard of before. I'm assuming this is on Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. Yeah. in the UK I don't know about other yeah, yeah. countries and stuff but um, um, yeah yeah no it's not one I'd I'd uh, come across before but uh, it does sound quite interesting I don't massively do horror things but a zombie film then maybe maybe possibly uh, I might go and look that up it sounds really interesting and in terms of like subtitled stuff because there's not a whole lot of dialogue because it's just him you don't really have to worry about that quite yeah. so much so I mean he gives narrations and stuff but 
there's like it's just him basically yeah uh and then the last thing something which hasn't happened yet but i'm hoping to well it should be going really i don't see why i wouldn't make it uh the walker stalker con is uh the 31st of march which is actually the day before the season finale over here oh right okay uh, which we'll actually see on april 1st so that will be interesting see if we get some sort of cliffhanger on april fool's day that would be uh interesting because <laughs> yeah. that'll be the season finale but yeah it's going to be my first uh i guess con that, that i'm sort of convention that i'm going to be going to uh and it's a bit more suited to me i suppose because it's just walking dead people and there's a few game of thrones people in there there's actually one guy from uh, american horror story he played the dad in the first season i can't remember his name it's been a long time since season one he's in there as well the ones that haven't been confirmed yet is jeffrey dean morgan uh, I'll say Negan, Daryl, Michonne, and Rick. Negan actually was, um, or Jeffrey Dean Morgan was actually listed, but he pulled out because of scheduling and stuff. But I'm, yeah, wondering about the other three still. They've even confirmed people like Beth and Maggie recently, and and those sorts of sorts of characters. But um, yeah, it'll just be interesting to go there, see what see what everything's about, and uh, hopefully meet some of the the cast as well. So yeah, that should be quite fun. Yeah, it should yeah. be it should be cool. They, yeah, they seem to have a good good guest list so mm. and obviously the good thing with some of these conventions characters characters have died before obviously their actors can still come as well yeah yeah so that's uh that should be quite fun to do as well yeah it so. should be good should be good i'm not doing walker stalker i will be at uh mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in birmingham in a couple of weeks though so uh, i will see people at that having said that i don't really do horror movies i did actually do a horror movie this week um but well, it's horror-ish anyway uh mm. get out which is the jordan peele film which it came up on Netflix. It's been on for a few weeks on Netflix and I sort of seen it on the Sky Store and I hadn't bothered getting around to it, but it was on Netflix. So I thought, oh, well, I'll give it a try. Absolutely brilliant. I really, mm. really enjoyed it. If you've, um, have, have you seen Get Out? Yeah, I watched it because uh, I got a Now TV thing for Sky Cinema over the Christmas break because I got a, one of their smart sticks as well. Right, yeah. Um, I was able to watch it on that. But yes, on Netflix as well. But I, I really quite liked it. And there's um, a film called Us, which is coming out on Friday yes. it's by the same people, and it's like sort of you know horror but a different premise and stuff. So yeah, it's it's I'm Jordan. Looking forward to that. It's Jordan Peele again. Yeah, it's a really great film. It basically, I mean, I won't go too much into it, but if you if you're unaware of it, it starts off with a couple going to see her family. Uh, mm. She's white, he's black, and they get there, and the family is seemingly nice and lovely, and she's a hypnotherapist and offers to help cure him if he's smoking, and and the dad's a doctor, and they've got these lovely big pile in the middle of nowhere and it, that's how it all starts out and, and then things go wrong <laughs> let's say from there yeah. and i won't really yeah. go into it any more than that because it starts to give things away but not at all what i expected the race stuff is is absolutely brilliantly done very subversive and different and interesting and it's more in the vein of what was the um cabin in the woods was the film that it brought to mind the uh, joss whedon horror movie that he did Mm. it is a horror film but it's sort of slightly off the wall horror film it's the type of horror film you can watch if you're not massively into horror i think so yeah uh, so yes well well worth watching it's not particularly gory as far as i remember no it's, it's more like it's far psychological, more, it's far more psychological horror and yeah. Uh, yeah just brilliant really really worth going to watch if you've not seen that the other new thing i've been watching this week which well it's not new it's just new to us because it's taken forever to land over here is speechless okay. speechless is a single camera sitcom kind of in the vein of something like blackish is probably tonally the sort of same kind of level that sort of humor the premise is completely different though it's it follows a family it's a british mother american father the main key thing being that they've got three kids and the oldest son jj has cerebral palsy and uh, is wheelchair bound and can't talk so a lot of the mother's attention and the mother's kind of a crazy sort of take charge british mother very much in no holes holes barred kind of attitude she focuses all her attention really on jj sometimes to the detriment of the other kids and it's really about their life and how they sort of deal with 
things. And uh, he, you know, JJ start, starting a new school. He he communicates by having a laser on he, on the side of his head, which he points at a board to spell out words and stuff. So it's like a sort of low tech hmm. version of the Stephen Hawking thing, basically. The first episode, he's sort of trying to find a voice because he's going to a normal school rather than a a special school. He's going to a normal mainstream school, and uh, they assign him. The reason they've been able to do this is because they've assigned him somebody to be his voice. So it's a helper, basically, that f- that follows him around and is there to help out. And uh, JJ's not happy with her at all because she's very kind of friendly and, and really bubbly and utterly obnoxious in that sort of sense. He eventually manages to find somebody else that uh, replaces him who's far cooler, uh, but rubs the mother up the wrong way. So the, that's the sort of basic setup of it. It is one of the funniest shows I've seen in a very, very, very long time. And uh, I really enjoyed it. The guy that plays JJ, the kid with cerebral palsy, he's called Mika Fowler. He does have cerebral palsy in real life. He can actually speak in real life, but he doesn't actually speak on the show. He's absolutely superb and communicates so much with just like a look and an eyebrow raise or none of his head or the, some of the actions. It's a wonderful, wonderful performance from him. He's he's really brilliant. The mother is played by Minnie Driver. The father is played by a guy called John Ross Bowie, who you will probably know as Kripke, Barry Kripke from Big Bang Theory, if you're a big fat Bang fan. <laughs> Oh, okay. the, the guy that yeah. speaks the slight lisp. Yeah, thoroughly, thoroughly worth watching if you've not seen it. Um, I, it's, it's on E4. They're putting it out daily, actually, on E4 because they've got like three seasons to get through. Oh, they're doing like a catch-up thing, like yeah, they did so, with uh, Goldbergs yeah, and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. like they've done with a lot of the other shows, there it's going out daily. So uh, only started last week, I think, or earlier this week. So can go on, find all them all on uh, all four. You can go and catch up on on there, and you then watch them as they come out daily. But uh, it, it's well, well worth going to watch. It's really, really funny, and I'm really enjoying it. So uh, yes, that's speechless on E4. Last bit that I just wanted to mention here was James Gunn has been rehired for Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which is awesome news, yeah, I think. fantastic. Um, yeah. It's very, very rare to Disney admit, to admit they're wrong about something. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I'm sort of surprised, but it's really interesting because it sounds like there have been a lot of discussions going on behind the scenes with the bosses at Disney and, and with uh, James Gunn. Because if you remember, he was fired over a tweet that some right-wing website dug up. It was a tweet that he made in a sort of attempt to be funny about 10 years ago. It was very ill-conceived, I think it's fair to say. And he fully admits that. And it's one of those things that the cast all stuck by him. You've got people like Dave Bautista who flatly refused to have anything to do with the franchise until they rehired him. Yeah. Apparently, all the other directors, including uh, people like Takito Wahiti, who did Thor Ragnarok and would have been my obvious choice, I think, to replace him. They went to their, him and a number of other people to take over and pretty much all of them turned him down and said, rehire James. So uh, they've all stuck by him and that seems to have done the job and they've rehired him. So we are getting a Guardians of the Galaxy 3, but it's going to be a little while off because they have now have a problem that he's been hired to do Suicide Squad 2. Now you can forget about like forget about that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, I know I rather want to see him do Suicide Squad because I think he could do a fantastic job of it. I, um, I agree with that. It's just that we don't need a Suicide Squad too. N- well, so. I'd like to see a decent Suicide Squad movie. I know what you're saying because the awesome, first one was awful, but I'd be interested to see what he does with it because I think that could be quite interesting. So he's already booked on to do that. So it looks mm-hmm. like that's going to be happening, and then they'll do Guardians afterwards so they'll they'll wait for him to finish that but it means that he'll have been doing Marvel and DC Marvel stuff. and DC which I know sort of Joss Whedon has kind of done as well because yeah, he did sort of, sort of yeah. step in kind of halfway through where the Justice League yeah it was Justice League wasn't it yeah yeah because so, um, you saw the awkward kind of cuts that happened yes yes and um, the, the horrible CGI where they took away um, his moustache yes it's good that we've got because because the Guardians in a way are kind of the Legends of Tomorrow of, of Marvel in yeah. a way they're the sort of yeah, uh, comic relief kind of group that you can kind of go to. So it's good that uh, that's going to be continuing as well. So 
Yeah, uh, no, I, well. I'm very happy, very, very happy that they've hired him back and it's all coming back. So yeah, I'm thoroughly looking forward to them de- dealing with that. That's something to look forward to. And we should then be hearing news of what they're going to be doing with X-Men, maybe Fantastic Four, maybe some other characters. We'll have to wait and see. But X-Men yeah, will definitely be back. Yeah, because you've got all that happening and then obviously we've got Disney Plus to come out and all those shows. Yes, so, yeah. Yeah, Disney are going to do very well, very, very well. Although they have already, so... Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they're not doing well at the moment, but yes, it's It's going to be even more. more, So so yeah, it's going to be very cool. That's all the stuff we've been doing. Let's move on to some TV and film news. So we kick off the TV and film news as ever with renewals, cancellations and pickups. Uh, First one's a renewal. It is American Gods that is going to come back for a third season. It's been renewed by stars as on Amazon Prime over here. Uh, I saw the first few episodes of of uh, that already i really like the new season uh season two so uh, i'm surprised i've renewed it quite this early but uh that's great news so yeah. i'm really really happy yeah. they've they've kind of sorted that out and that is coming back so, so is it second season worth a watch and, and yeah like definitely i think the second season is definitely worth a watch um i i thought it helped pull things together a bit more in the first couple of episodes that i saw i i think it moves the plot on a bit more the first season could really really stretch things out quite a lot and mm. uh, i think they're moving forward a little bit faster in the second season so um yeah the first couple of episodes i i saw a preview that they did down in london and we put the interview out on the show a few weeks ago i would definitely say the second season is worth a watch and uh, they've now renewed it for a third so that's something to look forward to British TV Channel 4 has signed a deal to keep the Great British Bake Off on air until 2021. So um, there's basically three more seasons coming. They've got the season which they're filming this year, and then they've got two more seasons they've signed for after that. They've also got a junior Bake Off that is going to be on Channel 4 for the first time as well. So that's coming. Um, I think they're doing that this year and then the following two years as well. So there's three seasons of that coming. So is that like people doing baking or what is that? Junior Bake Off. Bake-off Junior yeah, Bake-off. It's, yeah, it's it's basically the same thing, but with kids. Okay, cool. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's pretty much. So like, what did they call that Goggle Box spin-off that, that they did? Uh, Which was, was like Young Children, go- like Scroggle Box or something? Scroggle, uh, that's not what uh, yeah, cool. um, uh, yeah. I can't remember, but I know what you mean. Yes. Yeah, they did the, that the as well. The kids so. one. So yes, they're, they're always doing kids versions of the thing. So, I mean, Bake Off's an obvious thing to do a kids version of. So right. I, I think I didn't, I think maybe the BBC did a kids version, but they didn't initially move it over onto Channel 4, but that is coming across as well now. So if you're a fan of baking, something to look forward to. And I know there are an awful lot of fans of baking out there. So there you go. <laughs> uh, and uh, lastly is is a, an announcement of an air date for the final season of Jamestown, but also announcement that it is going to be the final season of Jamestown, uh, which I don't think they'd announced prior to this. So uh, 26th of April at 9pm on Sky One, that is happening and uh, that will be the last of it. But at least it means that it sounds like they've rounded it off if they... Yeah, that's always good as opposed to either dragging something out or uh, I mean, not that the third season is dragging something out, but um, yeah, it's good to always yeah. give your audience a conclusion. Whether yes. it's eight season, three, five, whatever, it's always good, good to give your audience that conclusion. So Better to finish on your own terms than to be cancelled. That's what I say. Yeah. Speaking of shows which uh, are finished on their own terms, right. Orphan <laughs> Black, which was a great, great series. Uh, mm. Orphan Black which was a BBC America show. And uh, if I think, it, it, well, it started off on BBC Three over here and then bounced around a bit and then ended up on Netflix. It ran for five seasons. If you're not familiar with the original Orphan Black, it was a show which followed a character called Sarah Manning, played by Tatiana Mislaney, who was an English con artist, witnesses the suicide of a woman who just happens to look exactly like her. She steals the woman's identity, becomes Beth Childs, who is a London police detective, only to discover that uh, Beth was not the only doppelganger out there and leads her down an ever-deepening rabbit hole of a vast conspiracy involving evil scientists, assassinations, detrimental illnesses and clones, lots and lots and lots of clones. If you've not watched it, it's worth watching just for Tatiana Maslany's performance. Yeah, It's just a tour de force performance throughout the whole thing. She plays regularly on screen five different characters, plus a whole bunch of other clones that pop up throughout 
throughout the show. It's really, really quite phenomenal. So that was the original show. The point of all this is they've announced that they are making a new Orphan Black series. It's not going to be a reboot. It's not going to be a spin-off. It's going to be a completely new story set in the same universal world as the original Orphan Black. So um, new cast of characters, presumably. Maybe there was a another clone program somewhere possibly maybe that's what they're going to be doing whoever gets the lead role in that is is going to have a well of a time i mean it's it's the dream part for anybody that takes it or any actor it has to be because you get to play f- like four or five different versions of different characters on one show and how often do you ever get to do that so mm. you know that's about all that we know at the moment other than it's going to be a you know a brand new story it probably won't see uh, Tatiana back unless she sort no. of guests. Uh, as I mean, you know, because there's a chance that you might not see Sarah Manning back, but you might see one of the other characters pop up. You know, she could, because I mean, the nice thing about that is she can play any clone that's still out there. So, you know, <laughs> uh, you might see... Yeah might see her pop back up somewhere along the way but and you may see some of the other characters pop up possibly but at the moment they're saying it's a completely new story so we'll have to wait and see the interesting thing is the the new show is being done by amc not by bbc america what i didn't realize and what i'm sure quite a lot of you probably didn't realize was that bbc america is co-owned by amc and bbc studios so that is why it's amc that seems to be pushing this rather than bbc america they have done deals recently where uh killing eve which was a bbc america show is actually simulcasting on bbc america and amc because more places have amc than have bbc america over there more people carry amc apparently because it's become such a huge phenomenon killing eve they're basically they're putting it out on both channels at the same time which is interesting yeah so there's possible they may do the same with a new orphan black series we don't know um as to where it would end up over here who knows we do have amc global but that doesn't necessarily mean anything <laughs> you know so i i wonder how many people actually have that channel if you have sport on bt and let's face it the only reason you're going to get your tv through bt is to have the sport channel yeah, you get amc as part got of it a good few games over there so, so so if you have bt sport you have amc but as to how many people are interested in having amc i don't know it frustrates me because if they offered it as an additional service either through say amazon prime as one of their channels right like with know, the stars play thing like with stars whatever. play yeah yeah if they offered it as like five or a month through that i'd probably subscribe to it if they offered it as a, as a straight additional channel onto Sky at a fiver a month, I'd probably subscribe to it. The problem is that the only way you can get it on Sky, if you've not got BT broadband, it costs £20 a month because you've got to get the sport. So yeah, it's frustrating. Because the people that use AMC and the people that use BT Sport is mostly a like, different audience. You would think. But, I mean, uh, I yeah. don't know, but you would think that they probably are. So that also maybe slightly skews the type of stuff that they put on AMC Global, possibly. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's always been kind of messy that. And, you know, as we said before, not all AMC shows end up on AMC Global because things like Better Call Saul, which is an AMC show, runs on Netflix. You've got Walking Dead, which runs on Fox. Fear the Walking Dead does run on AMC, but it then later runs on um, Amazon Prime. Yeah. So I just wait until it comes onto Amazon Prime. It's difficult. I mean, there are a few things I quite like to see, like Ride would be quite good, the Norman Reedus series. I I think it'd be interesting to watch that. There's, yeah. there's not a lot else. There's been a couple of things that have been on there, but nothing hugely jumps out at me so uh, uh in in terms of this orphan black series though when i think of tv series that i would like or that i would like to happen like certain different maybe superhero shows or you know 24 coming back or I- any of those kinds of things orphan black is never <laughs> yeah. in that conversation because when i think of orphan black i think oh that series that ran for five seasons and simply finished and, and that was that yeah um it's gonna really depend on how much of a connection this has to the original and like you said 
said, if if it is like a, a completely new story and it doesn't have any ties to the original, like who are they going to cast to do the multiple roles? How is that all going to work? Is it going to actually be just as like as good? Yeah. Or is it? Yeah. It, it just depends what it is. But um, in terms of things that are coming back and stuff like that, Orphan Black isn't something that I think of. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's it is a bit sort of like Twenty Four Legacy to Twenty Four. That's the danger. And, you know, whereas it's sort of the same sort of thing, but a completely new cast and a completely new character. And you, that didn't work out so well for the 24 guys. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. We'll, we'll have to wait and see what they actually do with it. It is only an early development at the moment. It is only a potential new series. It may come to nothing. But yeah, it's there and it's been worked on by the sounds of it. So we'll, we'll let you know if we hear any more info on it anyway. Mm-hmm. Moving on to characters we've seen before in other things uh they've announced that uh, deathstroke is going to be joining the uh titans in the second season which is due either later this year or early next year there is the second season of the dc universe's Titans series coming deathstroke's a character that you would kind of expect to show up in that because deathstroke started his life as a, a villain of tight of the teen titans so it makes sense that he's shown up it's just a little difficult that they've used him like all over the place already because Asai Morales or Morales is the guy that is taking up the uh, black and orange mask for uh, this (laughs) most of you will probably know Deathstroke Slade Wilson DC's deadliest assassin elite soldier sort of with enhanced psychology and superhuman levels of power and that sort of thing most notably we've seen him played by Minnie Bennett on Arrow that version I think most people will know popped up at the end of Justice League played by uh, Joe Mantaliglo never pronounced his name correctly but uh, yes that guy Uh, so he popped up at the end of Justice League in that sort of in the post credit sequence and uh, then never to be heard of again unless he pops up it's quite possible he may pop up in the uh, the new Suicide Squad movie I mean we don't know I mean because Deathstroke has been associated with Suicide Squad before and there is talk of Will Smith not coming back he was the sort of lead of it so it sort of would make sense for Deathstroke to come in and be the leader of of that group Mm -hmm. quite possibly they're they're having a Walking Dead problem where all their actors are leaving yeah Yeah. but uh, no I mean this is interesting Titans season one was very very good and like I think you kind of said on one of the Geek Towns um, it's a very good setup for like a really good season two because the certain characters that they set up and what they set up at the end of season one is very interesting to lead into a season two be cool to see uh this version of of deathstroke or or a version of deathstroke in in titans plus because it's going to be a bit more r-rated-esque or 18 rated-esque yeah yeah um as opposed to um i mean deathstroke in arrow is really really good i really like all the all those shows but um this is going to maybe fit even better in terms of you know that character being like you said very deadly in this assassin and all that sort of stuff so i'm i'm looking forward to it so that should be good yeah um Asai Morales is a good actor I mean he's he's been around he's one of those guys that you see his face and go where do I know him from because yeah. he's been yeah. in uh, How to Get Away with Murder who plays uh, Laurel's father in How to Get Away with Murder he's popped up in NCIS LA he's been in Chicago PD uh, he was one of the main casting from Dust Till Dawn the series Criminal Minds, Jericho, NYPD Blue he was in Caprica was the other kind of, it was short-lived, but was other quite big show he was in. So he's, he's, he's been all over the place. I mean, he's got a list of credits as long as you're on. He's a face that pops up quite often. So he's somebody that you will know. I think definitely. And I mean, he's got the right sort of look for it. He's certainly an older character. I'm not entirely sure whether he's got the build for it yet, but that's the thing with Manu Bennett did a great job in that role on Arrow. But yeah, so I don't know, but uh, it's interesting. I think it's, it's an interesting bit of casting and I think he can, he can do a good job in there. We'll have to see, but uh, yes, it's going to be quite nice to see a fully kind of violent version of uh Deathstroke that you know you can't get away with kind of slicing bits off people like you could in uh, you know on on the CW whereas you can on DC Universe and on Netflix so yeah that's going to yeah, be kind of yeah. interesting we'll we'll have to wait and see they also announced um I think we mentioned this last week but they also announced that Australian actor Joshua Orpin is joining the show as Superboy for the second season as well so uh, you've oh, got yes. uh, yeah You've got that happening. Uh, that's um, it's not the current Superboy that's in the comics. It's Connor 
that they're using, who was one of the other Superboys that they've had in the comics. There's been about three different ones, three or four different ones. So uh, it's kind of like Robin. Yes, it, there is a <laughs> well, yeah, but it, they're sort of different realities and that sort of thing. They've had yeah. various characters calling called Superboy, but uh, I think it, it's the Connor version, which is the sort of one that's most associated with the Teen Titans. That's the version that they're using. I think that makes sense. And uh, the last new story we've got is there is a Time Bandits TV series in development by Takita Wakiti, the Thor Ragnarok director. Are you familiar with Time Bandits as a property? I don't know. I think this is the first time I've read those two words together. Okay. So, first um, of all, they've yeah. got, you've got homework. Go and find a copy of this film. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's been developed for Apple. Time Bandits is a brilliant, brilliant 1981 Terry Gilliam movie. Terry Gilliam, of course, is a superb director and uh, has very sort of odd, off-the-wall kind of movies. It's a comedy cult classic. The movie follows the time-traveling adventures of an 11-year-old history buff named Kevin, who one night stumbles across six dwarves who emerge from his bedroom closet. They're four <laughs> workers of a supreme being who have stolen a map that charts all the holes in the space fabric of time. They're using it to hop from one historical era to the next in order to steal riches. Throughout the movie, they meet various historical characters and fictional figures, including Napoleon Bonaparte, Robin Hood, people like that. And uh, Bonaparte was played by Ian Holm Bilbo from the uh, Lord of the Rings movies, and uh, Robin Hood oh, was right. played by John Cleese. The supreme being, being is basically chasing them through these various uh, things trying to retrieve the map so that's the sort of basic setup for it it's it's this young kid and this these budget dwarfs it's absolutely hilarious and uh, very silly and just just wonderful exactly the sort of thing you'd expect uh, Takita Waiti to pick up on. The structure is very much suitable for a TV show as well because they're jumping from one historical event to another. So it's the type of thing that you can set the jumps at the start and the end of the episode and yeah, yeah. have the entire episode based in one thing and you know have them jump to another one and yeah so it works very well as a sort of tv show format setup really takita obviously we know from things like thor ragnarok he's got what we do in the shadows which is uh, another tv series based off his own movie made with jermaine clement from flight of the concords which he was also involved with i just think he's he's the guy that's outside terry gilliam doing this himself uh, he's the guy i would have chosen to do this because i think it's it sounds brilliant and uh, i'm very very much looking forward to it because i'm a huge huge fan of the original movie and uh, as i say if you haven't managed to find a copy of it go and look for it somewhere it may be up on netflix i'm not sure but uh, it's called time bandits yeah. the original film go and look for it it's really funny very very it, silly and well worth watching is it just one one film or is it it's one film and... no no okay. it's it, it's just a one-off kind of cult classic film but uh, it's well worth going to watch if you've not cool. seen it i might do that in a classic review season season two yes definitely Could do. Yeah. Might, it'll probably fit that sort of thing yeah so. totally go go watch it it's a wonderfully silly film so that's all the news we've got for this week next we have an interview when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So the interview this week is with Mark Ledoux, who is a VFX supervisor from a company called Crafty Apes. Crafty Apes is a visual effects company. You may not know that particular name, but I'd absolutely guarantee you've seen some of their work because their crazy mm -hmm. list of portfolio <laughs> contains Deep Breath, Thor Ragnarok, Doctor Strange, Captain American Civil War, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Avengers Age of Ultron, 
Ant-Man and Wasp, Spider-Man Homecoming, La La Land, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, John Wick Chapter 2, 12 Years a Slave, Constantine, Sleepy Hollow, Walking Dead, The Blacklist, Fargo, The Originals, Legacies, Stranger Things, Westworld, Legion, Better Call Saul, Deadpool 2, Star Trek Discovery, and The Orville. And that's not everything. I mean, it's ridiculous, the amount of shows and movies they've worked on. Uh, So obviously I was quite clean to talk to Mark. Uh, Mark is one of three brothers that uh, run the company so we just sat down and just had a general chat about working in the uh, vfx field talking about some of the amazing projects that they've worked on and uh, what it takes to bring a director's vision from the script to the screen so uh, here's the interview with mark we will see you afterwards with some highlights for next week on tv It's uh, lovely to have you on. We've spoken to a few VFX guys before, but I don't think any quite as prolific as your company. I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because, I mean, you go through the list of films on you, which I won't go through now, but I mean, it's a ridiculous amount of movies and TV shows. You've got offices in uh, LA, Atlanta and New York, isn't it? Yes, sir. Atlanta's really taken off as a a filming town, sort of since The Walking Dead went there, I guess, and it's just kind of grown and grown. Yeah, ever since they brought the tax incentives it's been pretty pretty big influx yeah and they, they're shooting a lot of the marvel stuff there as well now aren't they they've done a few marvel yeah. things there. Mm-hmm. they got these stages these stages uh down southern atlanta and uh, yeah they seem like they're pretty popular <laughs> <laughs> yeah which is great you know it's I, it's nice that they're spread around the country a bit more i mean you've got vancouver in canada as well does a lot of stuff so mm-hmm. good it spread about a bit but um let's start with a little bit of background how did you get into the industry in the first place oh geez the family I guess really. Yeah. Yes, I noticed <laughs> that, that the the company's kind of founded by three people with the last, same last name. So I'm assuming that's your brothers. <laughs> yeah. So my brother Chris got into visual effects first, came down from Alaska, which is where we're from, and then my brother Tim got into it after that, and then I soon followed when I graduated college. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, my brother David, my fourth brother, oh, wow. who runs our he runs our IT department from all our offices, he got into it just a couple years after that, and he's in Atlanta now with me. Chris, right? <laughs> Was it a particularly geeky household that you grew up in that you all end up in this area? Uh, you know, I'd say that I'd say yeah. I, it's kind of hard because it's kind of just the household I know. But I mean, my dad definitely is pretty big geeky guy. You know, he had. A, I remember playing the old Apple IIe when we were little and stuff like that. And you know, <laughs> all these all these old stuff like that. So definitely, you know, we all had a background in what people would say, you know, geekier stuff. That's definitely true. (laughs) Yeah. How is it working with family? It works out pretty well, actually. Um, I know it kind of sounds weird, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Me and my brothers, it's not that we get along. It's just that when we fight, it lasts, you know, two seconds that we forget about it. Yeah. So it's not really an issue. Yeah, we we work pretty well together. We all have the same goal. You know, we just want to work hard and, you know, succeed. And so it's like, if you're all on the same page with the same goal, then, you know, fights just don't matter. And yeah. so I love working with family. It's great. You know, got two of my brothers here and then my other one in LA. I talk to him almost every day and, you know, hang out and get stuff done. And uh, I mean, you set up uh, Crafty Apes, which is a great name for a company. And that, that's the VFX company. Just some of the movies. There's like Thor Ragnarok, Doctor Strange, Captain America, Avengers, Spider-Man, La La Land. I mean, just crazy, crazy amounts of things, plus a bunch of TV as well. So what sort of stuff are you doing and and what's your, your process? All kinds of stuff, you know, kind of work we do. It's basically whatever a client calls and asks us to figure out, whatever problem they want us to solve. So it can be from removing a car to fixing someone's hairline to making them smile when they're frowning, you know, or it could <laughs> be to making a whole CG car or something like that. So the levels of difficulty, the levels of complexity are always changing and always different for every client and every show, you know. Um, one thing that we really focused on over the years is we really try to come up with 2D solutions to 3D problems. And what I mean by saying that is, you know, when you watch certain movies, you know something CGI because it's obviously impossible. But you yeah. can still say, "Oh, this looks pretty good." You know, for CGI. You know, mm. what we. But the thing about that stuff is, it's really expensive. You know, and it's hard to, to get good work like that. You know, the, the artists are talented, but they're not cheap. And so sometimes, you know, a lot of things that we actually excel at is like, okay, we got this problem, and it's probably a 3D solution. But can you guys just figure out how to do it in 2D so it's cheaper? <laughs> and that's one thing. I, and that's one thing. Like I personally like doing. Like. 
of course, our company has a whole 3D pipeline and a bunch of 3D artists. We do it all the time. But like something I personally enjoy when you, know, when you go down the credits list is that kind of stuff, that kind of complexity to try to, you know, pick a lock with, you know, a ladle or something like that. It's like trying to just figure this thing out. And that's personally something that I'm just a big fan of, you know. Just so people kind of understand, because everybody thinks of VFX as, as 3D stuff. So what do you mean in the in that context of 2D? What's an example of that? Oh, well, 2D compositing is just anything where you're not making like a, big, a, a CG render, you know, that you're not right. constructing, you know, yeah, your, yourself and, and rendering it out from the lighting and everything. Like a good example of a 2D something 2D is, um, hey, could you put a fence there? And, mm. and then, you know, say someone wants a fence. Like, okay, so does the camera move a lot? If it doesn't, then the fence can be 2D. What I mean by that, it can be a picture you take, you take the fence out of it and you track it into the shot, and yeah. you, you know, color correct it. That's a 2D solution. But say it's can't you have a big camera move. I mean, this thing's swiping around the house. Well, then you'd probably have to go with a, a 3D solution, you know, because you need the, the camera to move around the object. You need the perspective to change on the object and all these things. Right, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's kind of what I'm talking about. Like, do you have to do a full 3D, nice pre-CG render and stuff? Or can you just figure out how to basically composite, grab a bunch of images, kind of track them in on each other and color correct them, you know? Yeah. So I guess yeah. that's really the thing I should say is I just really love the compositing of it all, the compositing of everything and figuring out that that stuff. The 2D stuff is essentially what people would think as Photoshopping, but with moving images. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, here's the thing too, a lot, about a lot of the 2D stuff is a lot of it, people don't even know what's going on. Yeah. That's the stuff that's more like the hidden effects work. Like, hey, the crew is in this shot. Can you guys remove them? Yeah, totally. No one's ever going to see that or know that happened. There's a lot of behind the scenes, you know, 2D effects going on in movies nowadays that people have no idea is happening. Yeah, I mean, the movies that you've worked on, obviously the the big Marvel films, you've got those those huge effect things going on and they're obviously 3D and they're, they're really obvious. Whereas, you know, something like 12 Years a Slave, you don't think of that as an effects movie, but there will be a whole ton of effect shot in there that people just won't notice. Well, and here's a good example is um, that movie specifically. You know, there's one really iconic point of the movie where he uh, he whips the main uh, actress, you know? Right. And what happened was, we had, that was actually a lot of effects that went into that. They had a, a shorter whip that we had to extend, you know, obviously like a lot of the gore was added in post. Yeah. And more so than that, it was a really long take. So we actually had to stitch takes together. Right. Yeah. So that actually whole, whole sequence, that whole movie, it was heavy VFX based. Yeah. Is there a particular shot, that sort of invisible VFX shot that you've done that would really surprise people and and you're really proud of. There is actually, there's a couple, but yeah, you know, probably my most prolific ones that I'm most proud of, like I generally don't talk about because it has to do with kind of like basically heavy manipulation to some uh, talent's bodies. Right. <laughs> so generally speaking, when we do that, it's not really like cool to go around talking yeah, about no, how you no. do it. Yeah. So, but that, yeah, other than that, I mean, man, honestly, there's so much. Just the other day, I got someone asked me, you know, hey, could you take this person and just make him look like this other person? And it's like, oh, sure. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. Like I said, that's actually the, the stuff that I'm most proud of because like I personally find it so challenging and I know that's still not specifically answering your question. So, you know what shot I really like is I was able to do the shot in Law, Law Land where they kind of you know, walks across the, the universe per se. Right, yeah. And um, that was a really fun shot to work on, I thought, because not only was the director obviously talented and, you know, it's getting to come up with his vision was just kind of a fun challenge, you know, to try to get this weird, you know, fake, yet also, you know, not like 2019 CG, more like old looking effecty thing, you know? Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the whole process was very, you know, stylistic and somewhat vague and we really got to get creative with it. And I had a lot of fun and I think it turned out kind of cool for what, you know. Yeah, totally. Along with working on the, the movies, as well as the sort of big Marvel films and sort of stuff, you've done quite a lot of stuff with TV. And I mean, you personally mm -hmm. and the company as a whole. Oh, yeah, I love <laughs> Yeah, the, uh, the, there's like the Constantine series, mm -hmm. uh, Sleepy Hollow, I noticed you did. Uh, what did you do for The Walking Dead? What what sort of stuff do you do for that? Because obviously they're Atlanta-based. I, I partly ask this because we do a weekly Walking Dead podcast as well. So Oh, nice, nice. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Walking Dead, you know, we worked on, I think, three or four seasons of it. And mostly it's, a, you know, blood hits stuff like that, right. you know, zombies getting hit in the head, generally speaking, but also paint outs, you know, since they filmed in Atlanta, it's like, Ooh, Hey, you know, there's a, there's a car back there driving on the highway. Can you remove that? Yes. Yeah, sure. There's no, there's no cars in this world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stuff like that. But yeah, I'll, I'll basically 
all the things you'd think we did, we probably did. Right, yeah. yeah. Interestingly, the, the company works on um, Star Trek Discovery and the Orville as well, which I, yeah, I thought was yeah. kind of interesting, given that the Orville is sort of seen as almost in the vein of classic Star Trek, whereas... You know, oh, no, Discovery's... it's totally, it's totally awesome. It's yeah. like, you know, Orville, basically Orville is like, basically reminds me of the next generation. Like, of course, the same yeah. show. Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, and they're both pretty, they're both pretty awesome. I like, I actually like, I like Orville a lot. Yeah, and then Star Trek Discovery is this cool, edgy reboot, you know? And yeah, it's definitely funny. We're, I feel like we're working on like uh, the future of Star Trek, then also, uh, you know, a throwback Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I adore both those shows. They're, they're so well put together. And she did a couple of bits on the blacklist as well. With a show like that, is it a case of the, there's one or two shots here and there that they kind of need some help on? Yeah, that's completely it. Like the blacklist, for instance, um, like so some shows will take on all the work. You know, we, just, we do with the main vendor, we do almost all of it. Blacklist was like, an, gosh, I think that was 2012 I did that. Right. I think that was like an overflow, basically. Like, you're completely right. We weren't the main vendor, but it was like, hey, we need some help. Can you guys do these? We have too many shots. I was like, yeah, sure. You know, we'll knock some shots out. You know, yeah. like, if I can recall those shots, I believe I was uh, changing a label on some uh, fire extinguisher <laughs> and uh, painting out a giant uh, mat that was uh, in the reflection of someone. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Those are the little things that people don't think about that somebody has to go in and like change the label on the Yeah, fire. And honestly, sometimes they're like the absolute hardest. Yeah. I mean, you get like a giant reflection over someone's eye and it's like, hey, can you remove this? It's like, oh, geez. OK, I got to <laughs> repaint someone's eye now. And then you get the note. This doesn't look slightly real. Like that's because it's not real. But I agree. <laughs> yeah. I remember having a conversation with the writers of a, of a TV show called Uncle over here. And they were talking about how they avoided putting mobile phones in the script as much as possible because of how much of a pain it is every time a mobile phone shows up because somebody has to go in and CGI out all the details on what brand the phone is and oh yeah totally. and then put the you know put the stuff on the screen and all that sort of thing so oh yeah man you it could be such a big mistake you know if they shoot with the wrong uh the label and they don't have you know they don't have the rights to like yeah. i mean it could be a lot of money for us because we had to paint them all out but it's just like oh also what had to do is turn that bottle around <laughs> <laughs> yeah why did the actor pick it up that way Red? yeah uh, totally Oh dear. So if you are like the main vendor on the film or the show, what's the hmm. process? Where do you start? I compare it kind of to uh, the way a construction company might work. Hmm. You know, the way, you know, you bid for a plan, you know, like, oh, we have a new school going up. Like, all right, construction companies, put your bids in, how much you do it for. Yeah. And that's kind of how we work, honestly. We, we, we do bid shots, like this is how much we will do it for. If it gets awarded to us, it's our job to get it done, you know, under cost, right. you know? And so that's kind of how the process works. Now, there's all different kinds of ways you get shots. Maybe uh, a post suit calls you, he remembers you, you know, says, hey, I got some shots for you. Okay. Well, maybe they bring you in before they even start shooting and you read the script and you're on set with them and everything. And you're in it from the start. So there's all different kinds of ways you do it. It's kind of not as structured as you'd think sometimes <laughs> <laughs> the way shots come in, you know, and it's kind of fun that way, honestly. It's just kind of, yeah. Hey, you guys got a computer? All right, here's some shots. Yeah. So yeah, I, I very much enjoy that that process of it, you know, and, but the process being the way it is, having clients who quite frankly are just cool is actually really important, right, you know, yeah. because if you have, you know, most clients I work with, honestly, are awesome. I really don't have many complaints, if any. But mm. sometimes if you do get one that just uh, woke up on the wrong side of the bed, <laughs> when that business model, it can really spell, it could be bad, you know? So, you know, yeah, you just kind of have to remember that part of this business is customer service and, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. So It's the clients that don't quite know exactly what they want are always usually the hardest. <laughs> yeah, you're completely right. That's the, that is the biggest problem is when they don't know what they want. And then it's like, you know, can you give me 10 different flavors of apple pie? It's like, but you only paid me to do one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Having worked historically as a web developer i i feel your pain oh yeah you <laughs> i'm well aware of of that working on tv and film is there a huge difference for you between the two so the answer is yes there's just a reason for it you know it's not like oh it's tv it doesn't have to look good like the, the difference is schedules you yeah. know you get in sonic tv every week one goes on air yeah. <laughs> this is happening while they're still shooting the later episodes so everyone is just super busy and you're just trying to crank out effects as fast as possible so you know a lot of times when you see something more on tv and it's it looks a little cheesy it's not like oh who did that they suck it's just oh wow i bet they only had a couple of days to do that yeah you know you work on a movie i mean you're scheduled four or five six months you know and they're watching on the big screen and 
making little tweaks to make, you know, the perfect cinema, you know? <laughs> so yeah, that, that's the difference between the two and why you kind of get different levels of work and stuff like that, you know? Also TV has smaller budgets compared to like a big movie too. So that's another factor. Yeah. I mean, as somebody who is, you know, a, a sort of craftsman and an artist and, and uh, creating these sort of things, that must be a little gutting if you're having to send something out that you know isn't quite as good as it could be, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but- no, totally. And it's something that basically is just part of doing this kind of job. And yeah. it is unfortunate. You know, when you send something out and you wait for notes and you know that there's something wrong with it, you basically just hope they don't care or they don't see it. But then <laughs> if they don't see it, do you feel like you should tell them because it's your responsibility to make sure it doesn't go on, on screen? Well, yes, most of the time. So then you end up telling on yourself and going, I got to fix this. Hold on, give me some more time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Because like the thing is, there's definitely, you know, an attitude you could take where it's like, oh, we got to pass the client. Good. It's final. But then there's another attitude, which I usually take is I'd hell of a lot rather, much rather have them point out then than have them be watching it on TV with their family and they see it. (laughs) (laughs) Then they're even more. So it's like, okay, I just try to fix it then. See how much time you have to fix it. And just, you know, yeah. So, yep. Very interesting, very uh, interesting problem right there. Yeah, yeah. I talk a lot with uh, a lot of the composers, for particularly for TV shows. And one of the things we talk about with them quite a lot is the difference between using live instruments and samples. And I sort of mm. guess that applies in some ways to the VFX stuff as well. Are there elements that you find it's better to create in the real world so you can comp those in over using something which which is sort of completely rendered in CGI. Yeah, sure. Is it better with something like fire or smoke sequences? Are those better to create in CGI or are those better to... It all depends how much, how how good you can really match the lighting if you're going to shoot it practically. Right. Yeah. It's like, hey, Mark, we're going to shoot this element practical. Like, okay, but it's super sunny out and it's a night shot. Like, oh yeah. It's like, okay, we probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, trust me, I've gotten away with it, but you probably probably shouldn't do it. Yeah. But yeah, you know, if it's uh, if it's just a simple thing, like if I got someone's like at a bouncy ball this scene, and I have a bouncy ball, yeah, I'll probably just take a picture of it, comp it in. Yeah. <laughs> Realistically, I don't need to grab a you know an expensive overworked CG guy and be like, can you make me this really simple object that isn't even going to move? Yeah. No, I don't need to do that. But basically, yeah. But if you have a big camera move like we talked about earlier, that you know is going to break the scene with a parallax, you're going to need to go CG. And most of the time, if they're interacting with it and stuff like that. CG is going to be a better option unless you're really good and you can have like an actor like really nicely match the movements. But either one is a case by case basis. And I think that I probably have a, uh, (laughs) a lot of times I lean towards just doing things the hard way because it's fun. It's like, we probably shouldn't do it this way. I'm like, nah, let's just do it. Let's see if we can see if we can get ghetto. (laughs) (laughs) So um, in terms of of stuff that you're doing at the moment, is there anything else you could talk about that all stuff that you maybe finished but hasn't come out yet? Oh yeah, no, right now, you know, right now I've been supervising a, um, a show that's going on Hulu called The Act. Right. That uh, I believe it's coming out in the next like week or so, and it actually looks really cool. cool. So I'm pretty excited about that. You know, it's not super VFX heavy or anything, but even actually just watching the show as I work on it, you know, <laughs> that is I'm like pretty excited for it. So I'm looking forward to working on that. And they've had some interesting challenges of uh, stuff they require from us. You know, it's been a lot of fun to solve. That's just the most uh, recent show I've just been working on. But you know, we've got a lot of other stuff rolling. We've been working on a lot of legacies. The show on the CW. Yeah, you know, yeah. Season two. So that's kind of a crazy creature show. And, uh, you know, that's typical TV, you know, really fast deadlines, you know, episodic every week. <laughs> you yeah. Know. Yeah. It's been taking up definitely a lot of our time here. So uh, last couple of questions for you. First question is, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? Mm, oh, gosh. So I, I destroy TV when I'm working at night. I tell you, I just turn it on one of my monitors while I'm working and just let the episodes run. So I recently... <laughs> Recently finished like all the seasons of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, then I ran through Fargo, which I'd never seen before, and then I started watching uh, the Avengers trailer over and over again. Yeah. And <laughs> right, right now, I'm watching all the Marvel movies again in anticipation for Endgame. And then, as far as TV shows, I was actually watching uh, the British Baking Show. <laughs> yes, they've just <laughs> they've just announced that that's been renewed up until 2021. I think that's been renewed. It's, it's a one, It's a great show. <laughs> yeah, that's coming yeah. back again. But also, me and my brother do watch. I want we. We watch The Walking Dead every week. Yeah. You know, I let seasons go, then I catch up. Obviously, we're going to watch Game of Thrones. But yeah, I mean, any type of TV that like you probably make a podcast of, we probably watch. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Last so. season of The Walking Dead's been very good, actually. It went through a stage of a bit like trudging through mud, but the, the, the last season, I think, since the show had a change and Angela Kang's come in, I, I really like this last season. I thought it's been really good. Yeah, I was a little disappointed they changed the intro, though. I thought Walking Dead had one of the better intros on television. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a bit controversial, that new intro. Mm. I don't mind it, but uh, yeah. I, there's, well, there's it's not been... like no one's bad, but it's just the old one was so good. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that. And the last question is, if you had the opportunity to work on any TV show, past, present, or future, which one would it be? Oh, Stargate SG-1, no doubt. <laughs> Very good call, yes. Do you used to use sort of shimmery water effects <laughs> that you have to yeah, exactly. No, I just, I just bought a Stargate pinball machine for the office. Oh, awesome. Yeah, no, I'm obsessed with Stargate. All I want to do is work on Stargate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm hoping that that's something that makes a comeback at some point. Cause oh, it will. There have been rumors about it, and uh, we interviewed Christopher Judge last year. He seemed to be hinting that there may be something on the cards, but we'll have to sort of wait and see. But hopefully there's something. there'll be something new coming out of that, because I love that show as well. I was so gutted when they canceled the Stargate universe. Cause, oh, so good. Yeah, it was really good and different mm-hmm. and sort of interesting. And I, it was, I think it was like Battlestar Galactica just with Stargate in the title. Yeah, and I think if it ran now, it probably would survive. But mm-hmm. it just was a little bit before its time, I think, unfortunately. They just should have not called it Stargate, you know? Yeah. Call something else. Yeah, maybe. Maybe you say should have done that. So I'd love to see a bit more in that universe because it's great fun. Yeah. I shall let you get back to your day because I'm sure you're incredibly busy. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. It's been lovely to talk to you. Hopefully we'll we'll get a chance to chat again sometime. Hey, you too, man. I appreciate you having me on. Thank Cheers. you very much. No problem. Uh, Cheers. Yep. Cheers, bye. So that was the interview with Mark Ledoux. I'm sure you'll uh, see some more of his work in your cinema or on your TV screen very, very soon, given the, the uh, amount of stuff that they work on. Next up, we have some highlights for next week on TV. <laughs> So, highlights for next week on TV. We have Billions Season 4. That comes back to Sky Atlantic on the 20th of March at 9pm. I'm very much looking forward to this. I'm a huge fan of the show. It's absolutely superb. Uh, Paul Giamatti and Damian Lewis back in that. We have Pose which is the Ryan Murphy series set in 80s New York that is coming to BBC Two finally on the 21st of March at 9pm. This looks quite good. So uh, mm, He's be... becoming a bit of a uh, Greg Belanti. Yes, yes. There's, on loads of stuff. You could pretty much yeah. like watch TV 24-7 with, between Ryan Murphy and Greg Belanti actually at this point. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yes. Next, we have The Rookie. That is season mm. one of that. That's uh, Nathan Fillion's new show as the oldest rookie cop in the LAPD. We've been waiting a while for this to come on, but that's coming to Sky Witness on the 21st of March at 9pm as well. So uh, yes, very. I'm a huge Nathan Fillion fan, so I'm very much looking forward to that. The OA, season two of that coming to Netflix on the 22nd of March. I kind of dropped out halfway through the first season of this. I need to go back mm. and finish watching it, but um, I sort my, of enjoyed it. No, my uh, counsellor has actually kept recommending it to me. Okay. He's, been, he's been telling me about it for like two years. So yes. um, yeah, now there's the, the second part. Yeah. 20, so what day is the 22nd? Friday. 20, 22nd is Friday, I think. Mm, yes. I'll so. see him the day before that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, season two is that. You can remind him season two is that. Uh, Victoria, season three of that finally lands on ITV on the 24th of March at 9 pm. I believe this has already gone out in the US, even though it's an ITV show. I it's, don't know. But, uh, but yes, probably. It's, it's a, well, it's an ITV show, but it's, it's co funded, I think, with PBS and they set their air date before ours, which upset an awful lot of people given that it's a thing about Queen Victoria. So, uh, huh. yes. Uh, yeah, so Victoria is strange. Yes, it was a little bit odd. I'm not sure why ITV ended up scheduling that, but uh, 24th of March at 9 pm on ITV for Victoria season three. Uh, Blue Blood season nine finally comes to Sky Witness. Note Sky Witness, not Sky Atlantic because it's jump channels. That's on the 25th of March at 9 pm, which sees the return of the world's greatest mustache that happened to be attached to the face of Tom Selleck. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yes, I'm very much looking forward to that. Into the Badlands returns for season three part two that's the final bit of the final season uh that's on amazon prime on the 25th of march so 
So AMC does in TV shows. They, yes. they, actually, they actually do that. So, yes. Yeah. I do, don't know whether it just didn't have the viewing figures or was too expensive. I don't know. But uh, yes, Maybe. it is, it is yeah. ending. Uh, and American Dad, season 14, part two, is coming to Fox UK on the 26th of March at 10pm. That's uh, the return of Seth MacFarlane's cartoon about the Smith family. That is back. And that is everything for this week, unless you've got anything else you want to add in. Don't do your kitchen unless you absolutely need to. <laughs> because <laughs> uh, it is a lot of bother yeah. uh, especially if they mess something up and you have to wait days for stuff to dry but yeah. uh, yes hopefully that will be sorted out in uh, well by tomorrow hopefully we'll have to see uh, but you can follow me on Twitter at eTalkUK that's also where you can see all the podcasts get posted if they get posted when that happens because Facebook sometimes doesn't like to do that but uh, Twitter usually does but eTalkUK uh, for Twitter as well go and check those out particularly if you're Walking Dead fan because we have a weekly Walking Dead podcast which uh, goes out mm-hmm. over on there for us if you want to find more information throughout the week go to geektown.co.uk and see all the latest air date information if you want to get in touch with your questions and comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at Geektown on Twitter on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Geektown on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Geektown and on Instagram at Geektown UK that is everything we shall see you next week bye bye goodbye here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. <laughs> 